Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, February 21st, and I'm Scott. I'm Junior. You're listening to Between the Lines, and we're in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, as so, well as Proverbs 21. Yeah, we're going to get right into this because we got 50 verses to, we do. Uh, to get through, and we don't want lot. this. Yeah, so we'll, uh, let's skip the pleasantries and jump right in. Mark chapter 9, verse 1 says, Jesus went on to say, and this and Jesus was in Caesarea hey, Philippi. Do we need to comment this quick? I mean, we got 50 I verses. <laughs> I just <laughs> I want to give some context as to where we're at, though. <laughs> okay. He's in northern Israel, Caesarea Philippi, and he just got done talking with Peter about, you know, on this rock I'll build my church. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Are you using the New Living Translation? Yeah. NLT? You are. I am. Is your say, is it different? Yeah, it must be. There's two editions, so I must be in the first edition. You're in the second edition. That's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Verse three, his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. I love that. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Why Elijah and Moses, dad? Well, neither Elijah nor Moses were, well, Moses died, but they never found his body. I mean, God buried him and Elijah was taken directly into heaven. They were also the two very pivotal very strong personalities that were used of God in powerful ways in the Old Testament. And so they were known to be these great prophets. Uh, that's the best I can tell. Yeah. It doesn't tell so us why. So these two showing up, is it a way to kind of, is it is a way for God to validate the Jesus in, in a sense of this is important? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So he wants to stay longer. Let's mm-hmm. just stay here for a long time. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say. (laughs) But he's got to say something. He's got to say something, that's right. (laughs) So they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed him and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son, listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone and they saw only Jesus with them. Then they went back down the mountain. He told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the son of man had, had risen from the dead. And we talked about this when we read through Matthew, but the reason he said that was because it wasn't time yet to reveal yeah. who he was. Verse 10. He knew that as soon as that stuff started being revealed, that would start the timetable for the his, his being taken in captivity and then for his crucifixion. But he had more to do before that was going to yeah. take place. Verse 10, it says, So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, Why do the teachers of the religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. Yet why do the scriptures say that the son of man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they chose to abuse him just as the scriptures predicted. Now, is he talking about John the Baptist there? Uh, Yes, yeah. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah and so not the actual person of Elijah, but it was the spirit of the Elijah. Role, that was, and that was the prediction that that's who John the Baptist would be. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. 
Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Can you imagine what the parents are going through and even the fear, the people that are present at this time? And this is, this is just absolute fear as this demonic force is being very evident and Jesus is calmly questioning them. And, and of course, we know what he was going to do. Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Hmm. Ask anything possible if a person, if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And that, you know, that's something I cry out to God with all the time. God, I believe, help my unbelief. I do have faith, but yet there are times when I'm lacking faith. Build it up. Help me to become stronger in believing you. Yeah. And that's kind of what we read through in Ephesians when, Mm -hmm. you know, the last book, but Paul, that was Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. It was, yeah. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes his boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. Actually, in Luke, then, the the story is told as well. And there Jesus says only by prayer and fasting. It's not that Mark made a mistake here. It's just they, they don't include everything in every, in every written record. But uh, the word, I think the key here, when Jesus says this can only be cast out by prayer or prayer and fasting, is that word for prayer, which is prasukamai, which within that word implies this necessity for absolute submission because it's a giving of our desires to God and then receiving his desires as well. That Jesus's prayer life was one of submission to the Father and receiving the Father's uh, the Father's wishes and receiving those. That's when we truly can gain power with God. And our prayer life comes alive at that point when it's a prayer life of submission, not simply for what I want in order to satisfy my own desires, but what I really want is what God wants. Let me continue on verse 30 then. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus tried to avoid all publicity. In order to spend more time with his disciples and teach them, he said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed. He will be killed, but three days later, he will rise from the dead. But they didn't understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After they arrived at Capernaum, Jesus and his disciples settled in the house where they would be staying. And Jesus asked them, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. (laughs) Junior, what does this remind you of? You know, it reminds me of like being a kid and riding in the van and arguing with your siblings. And (laughs) you pull into the house and dad says, "Uh, what were you arguing with your siblings in the back about? (laughs) 
Yeah, and I was honestly, I was thinking more in terms of your own daughters right <laughs> that's true, now. That's true. Um, because it's something that every parent has experienced. Yep. And and this is pretty sad because these are grown men that Jesus has to treat them like children. And, and they yeah. didn't want to answer because they, they knew what they'd been doing. Yep. And how foolish it is about who's the greatest. Verse 35. Now, by the way, we can be really hard on the disciples by saying who's the greatest. And we're not going to come right out and say we're arguing about who's the greatest. But that's what our arguments are about. Oh, uh, yeah. That's we, really, when we're fighting, that's what we're fighting about. We still care about our titles and who's getting mm-hmm. the attention, who's getting the invites, all that. Jockeying for position. Yep. yep. Verse 35, he sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him. And I love this lesson and this, this, this picture that he puts before them. Then he said, anyone who wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes my father who sent me. Why do you think the child there was so significant in this picture that Jesus was trying to give his disciples? Yeah, I mean, children were seen as the least. They were Mm -hmm. to be seen but not be heard. And, you know, today we think of children as being cute. You know, we love this picture of Jesus holding a child, Mm -hmm. but we only love it because of what Jesus did, the revolution that he started. During this time, children weren't seen as cute. They were not valuable at all. Certainly not in the Greco-Roman world. No, they were weak. In the Jewish world, there was more value to children because of the potential within them, but still... They didn't view, that they weren't highly looked upon in the way we look upon children today. You're right, Jesus is the one that changed that. So he brought the most humble of beings, of human beings, into the midst and he said, you've, you've got to serve a little child like this. Don't think of yourself as being above them. You serve them. Verse 38, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw a man using your name to cast out demons. but We told him to stop because he isn't one of our group. <laughs> don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs miracles in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. Which this verse, I've, I've been quoting this uh, fairly, I, I've been just shocked by the number of people that have been hugely critical of the He Gets Us commercials. That They've been actually around in other places, but they were they were you know in the super bowl commercial so obviously right. the donors put a ton of money into getting those because they wanted to reach as many people as they possibly can and yeah. i just don't understand the criticism well it doesn't have this full theology and the and the entire gospel wasn't preached in there and it, it, it totally misunderstanding even the purpose for this that these were seeds being planted right. And we're going to see, I think, a great harvest that comes yeah. from this. Other so, people said, well, I've been on the website and their theology doesn't line up with ours. And I, I don't care about that. I, I think Jesus' words here are in order. They're not yeah. against him. And with all the crap that you see on TV and the commercials and... Uh, yeah, this is what I you're going to get in our open arms about. Somebody just spent you know, millions and millions to whet people's appetite for Jesus. And you're going to get upset. And all we're going to do is criticize yeah. it. It's Come just on, man. so very sad. Yeah. Someone I had read one post, a guy that I actually you know enjoy reading his stuff, but he, he said, the chosen and he gets us is what happens when people, no, he gets us is the kind of commercial that gets accepted when 
people uh, uh, watch The Chosen instead of reading your Bibles. And I said, that just is so ridiculous, which I'm a fan of The Chosen, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's a false dichotomy. It is. It absolutely is. And we, no one is ever saying, hey, don't read the Bible. Instead, watch The Chosen. <laughs> instead, what's happening is people who watch The Chosen, it whets their appetite to want right. to read the Bible more. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we better get going. Yeah. Verse 41, if anyone gives you a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I assure you that person will be rewarded. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who trusts in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. I mean, Jesus is a warrior in defense of the weak and in particular children. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter heaven with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter heaven with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God half blind than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out. Now, I imagine a lot of people are struggling with this because yeah. we we read this and we're thinking Jesus is talking literally. No, and 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 the re well, I mean, there's a few reasons why he's not talking literally, but Jesus knows this too. You could cut off your hand and you're still going to sin. Yeah, it wasn't your hand that was causing you to sin? Mm -hmm. You could cut off your foot and you're still going to sin. The point that he's making here is that you got to find, you got to radically amputate what is leading you to sin. Mm -hmm. It might be an internet filter. You just need to cut off internet in your home. It might be taking a different way home. It might be a relationship that you're in that just you keep sinning in. Group of friends off. that you just gotta just yep. gotta get away from that group. Right. Verse forty and for everyone will be purified with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Yeah. Great stuff that Jesus is teaching. Now we're gonna yeah, long jump chapter. over to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter twenty one is the corresponding chapter for today. And I want to read verse nine. It says, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, uh, hmm, you, you, and, uh, interesting that you chose that one. Uh, <laughs> that is not my wife, yeah. and that is why I'm so <laughs> thankful. that I mean, I love going home. My home is very peaceful, and I love walking in because my, my wife is, is not quarrelsome at all. But I do, I do know of a lot of people who they've ruined their lives because they've decided to... Uh, to marry, marry a quarrelsome person. person. Yeah. And this isn't, I mean, this is to... And, and, this and is there's to, always, there's always, you, you, there's there's glimpses of this before the wedding, but what happens is too often it's ignored. Yeah, yep. Now, and then verse 19, it is better to live alone in the desert than with a crabby complaining wife. Yeah. <laughs> same same right. proverb, same chapter. Right. So, And maybe Solomon, this seems chauvinistic, but the fact of the matter is Solomon was writing to young men. Yeah, this was these were the young men of his court that he's writing to. But this to. can be applied... Otherwise, like Across ladies, it matters who you who you get married to, and yeah. men same way. And then the question is that maybe for some of us, it isn't even about who you are married to or who should you get married to. The real question is that what kind of a spouse are you? What kind of a wife are you? What kind of a husband are you? Yeah. Are you the one that's destroying the atmosphere in your home and just making it miserable for everybody? Yeah. Or are you the one that is improving that atmosphere and making it a joyful, cheerful place for right. people to come and be? Yep, it matters. Well, make it a good day today. It was great hanging out with you, great reading scripture with you, and we will see you tomorrow. God bless. 